Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into film, television, online video, VR, 3D, compositing, tutorials, Cinema 4D, Redshift, Octane, Render Wars, Nodefest, all of this and more. And this week we're doing it with Rich Nosworthy. Thanks mate for coming back in the studio. Hey, thanks Blair. It's great to be back. Uh, nice to be back for the second time, so I appreciate you having me. This is actually the third time. Oh, yes, it is. I'd forgotten about the second one. That was with um, James Cohen for Nodefest? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That was a little extra one we did. I'd almost forgotten about that one. <laughs> also very good, yeah. Yeah, it was an excellent, excellent show. And you were the very first guest on the Pro Video podcast a year ago, in fact. Yeah, yeah. It's been, it feels like a long time ago. But um, yeah, man, kudos to you keeping this going with the, the recent guests you've had. It's been uh, amazing, man. So... It's been a real privilege to speak with so many talented, passionate people. But um, you, my friend, are always welcome into the studio. Because <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I follow your work with such vigor. It's just exceptional. It's world class. And yeah, so to have you in the studio um, rather than speaking over Skype, I just really enjoy that. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, it's, it's always easier as well over than Skype. Sometimes the connection is not so good and it drops out. But yeah, I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Awesome to be back. We've got a big list of things that we're going to be talking about. But the main one that I want to talk about is Blackmagic Fusion and some tutorials that you've recently put out into the world for that. Yes. So, um, yeah, like Blackmagic Fusion is a great little compositor. Um, I've been using it for a little while. Uh, it's very similar to maybe Nuke. But um, it's very sort of well-priced and I think it's very intuitive and very easy to pick up, which is why I like it. Um, there wasn't very many tutorials, though, which is kind of a bit frustrating because it's got such great potential, but not many people really know about it. Um, I've done a few tutorials before and kind of wanting to get back into that a little bit more when I've got time. So this was kind of like a first step into doing that. The main tutorial is the quick start for Blackmagic Fusion. So um, for those that are used to using After Effects, which is layer-based compositing, um, Fusion and Nuke and back in the day even Shake, uh, yep. nodal compositors. <laughs> yeah, yep. I used Shake back in the day. <laughs> I did too. It's uh, yeah, sort of aging ourselves a little bit there, Rich. <laughs> but... Fusion was bought by Blackmagic, and Blackmagic as a company, which is based out of Australia, have a heritage of buying software that is pretty expensive and then making it free in some form. And they've done that with not only Fusion, but DaVinci Resolve as well in the past. Yeah, true. It's a very, it's a very interesting kind of idea, I suppose, because it makes it very accessible for people, especially people, smaller studios and people with budgets who maybe don't have a kind of can afford like say nuke or the you know the yearly maintenance for updates for that sort of thing um it's kind of a two-sided thing though because at the same time you know if they're selling it for cheaper or for you know some sort of limited release uh cheaper version um obviously there's not as much money going back into the development so sometimes it's kind of a nice thing but it's also wary about you know what the future of that sort of thing is whether they're going to put as much money into that as opposed to maybe cameras and that kind of thing so yeah but um yeah it's it's a great tool though and um it, it could do with a little few more features but i think 
like I certainly use it a lot and it's very intuitive for getting into. So, Yeah, it's a really valid point that you raised that Blackmagic as a company is really hard to know what they're going to do because they're privately owned so they don't have to release any information True. to uh, shareholders and things about what's going on. Yep. And so their business model is a bit of a... It's not understood how well they even do as a company. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of got the feeling initially that maybe, you know, it's maybe, you know, they've got the cameras and maybe this is the software that helps the people that buy the cameras to kind of do the work they want to do, um, rather than focusing on the software itself. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I, I haven't used Resolve, but I'm also really quite keen to get into that as well. And yeah. I've heard it's a very good editor too. So. Yeah, it's had huge developments in the last couple of years with its editing and also audio. In the last release, a lot going on with the audio side of it. So they've got the editor coloring audio side of it, and then they've got the compositing. The last little piece is probably um, motion design with, yeah. with titles and graphics, True. which After Effects is very strong in. Yeah, it'd be very hard to, I think, to take that back over because there's so much just like exposure of After Effects anyway, but also the knowledge and tutorials that are already out there makes it very hard to you know compete against so yeah i think that's a it's a really big one is who knows the package who can you reach out to and what knowledge is available yeah. so you've literally given the whole industry a real good resource for <laughs> starting fusion and, and getting to a point where you can actually work with it really yeah. quickly that was that was kind of the idea i mean i've i've actually been collecting a fair amount of software recently and as you know, you learn it and then a couple of months down the track, you haven't used it for a bit and a job comes in and you're like, oh man, I've, I can't remember how to use this. So this is kind of just a collection of just to the point, just bits of knowledge, I suppose, that you can pick up and just say, okay, this is I need to use this tomorrow. I can just watch this and it'll give me all the info I need to know. Um, essentially, I, I'm not a big fan of huge long-winded tutorials and it was a little bit longer, but the idea was to keep it very sort of succinct and to the point and just say, do this, do this, and you're golden. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really golden. It's an hour-ish long, but the thing is that you could have quite easily broken them into smaller tutorials as yeah, a series. Yeah, exactly. And so what you do cover is, um, you know, you're covering bringing files in and out, color corrector, which is just such a big part of any um, compositing workflow. Yep. The UI, how the UI works, working in the node view, viewer controls, preferences, color depth, working spaces. You're covering a lot of different stuff in this yep. hour. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, if I had more time, I maybe would have done it as more of a complete series and things like that. And this only really covers the areas that I sort of know. But... Um, yeah, it was kind of like a limited amount of time I had, like between jobs, and I was like, if I don't get it done by next week, it's never, it's going to sit on my hard drive and I'll forget about it. So yeah. yeah, it was kind of a rush to get it out in a way to make sure it was completed. But yeah, it could have also been broken up more. Kudos to you for doing it, man. Um, I've heard some great responses online to it. Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, I've, uh, yeah. So it's it's been nice. Like a lot of people have kind of had it for a while i think but they've never actually got into it i mean like i say it's also there's a free version you can try out as well so it's uh yeah it's, it's just again getting that confidence to be able to use it on a job uh, that you don't always have when you you know got a deadline and you haven't really played around it with it very much so yeah fusion 9 is free 
and then there's Fusion 9 Studio which is $299 US and there's various features that aren't available in the free but to be honest the free for the majority of people who are looking to do some comping is going to meet their needs really well. Yeah totally I mean the only limit that I had was really was the 4k output if, if I wanted to do stills that were larger you are limited to that and also plugins can be useful as well if you want to use things like Frischlift or um, new yep. video you have to have the pro version for the the plugin support so with so many of these tools becoming available and free and the knowledge there i feel that we're going to a shift where it doesn't matter what you're using it's the right tool for the right job rather than i'm an after effects guy i'm looking at it going well fusion's free and you can use it commercially yeah if it's faster to do 3D comping, why would you not use that? And then, then take that into After Effects to do your depth of field and your graphics and things like that. Yeah. So even if you aren't prepared to pay for it, you can definitely still utilize it as part of your workflow. Totally, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I definitely wouldn't really use Fusion for doing like title or UI graphics, any of that sort of traditional 2D motion design stuff, I think is just... After Effects has just got the tools and the it's it's much better for that thing. But yeah, I just find the multi-pass stuff is much easier kind of in, in Fusion than it is in After Effects. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's sort of like separating it into different areas, I think. Yeah, I just think that nodal compositing, um, if you haven't done it before, you can there's a big barrier, I think, in a lot of people's mind to nodal compositing. And once yeah. you once you've used a node multiple times throughout your schematic. Yeah. You can see the power of it and how visually much easier it is to understand what's happening in your project. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of software that's like that now, like Substance Designer as well. And it's all, I think, like you say, a lot of people are put off with nodes and they don't really understand it. But it's it's a lot easier than you think, really, once you get into it. And then the power of just being able to just split things out as you want um, is very useful. So, Yeah, we're going to have links to all the videos that we're talking about. So we'll have a link to that. Check it out. It's really such a great way to break into using Nodal Compositor. And Fusion, I was really impressed with how it looked. It looked really solid and up there with Nuke, really. Yep, exactly. There's there's some bits like in terms of the intuitiveness that I actually even prefer to Nuke. Um, I haven't used Nuke for a few years. I mean, but obviously there is like the plugins and stuff in Nuke that are way sort of beyond what Fusion's got, but... Again, it's just kind of like what your price and your, your budget is and whether you can afford that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's great for a, a little something to use in your repertoire. Definitely, definitely. And then you had a follow-up tutorial video, which is a bit shorter, which goes over Redshift multi-pass comps with Blackmagic Fusion. Yep. Which is actually, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, true. Yeah, it's kind of what I was building up to for the whole part of the first one. <laughs> you you got to lay down those foundations and fundamentals so that you can move around a piece of software. But when it comes down to it, it's like, well, I just want to make a pretty picture and control it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's stuff that I think is very good in Fusion, like the sort of the tracking track is good and the Roto stuff's very good. And again, it's much easier in the node based yeah. stuff. But um, yeah, the, the multi-pass compositing was kind of what I was leading up to, but it was just getting too long a video to do it all in one. So I, I think make yeah. it a break. Yeah, no, it makes sense to break it up and, it, and it's really good. I've, I think it was really good to pick a render engine and an 
and look at the actual outputs that you're getting and some of the um, errors that you can get yep. and how you address those, whether it's in the actual render files yep. or if it's in the compositor. Yeah, that wasn't intentional. That was just me. Halfway through, I was like, oh, I've, something's gone wrong here. So I <laughs> ended up having to go back and forth with Redshift support and figure out what had gone wrong and why it was. And it was a, basically my fault. So yeah, it was, but it was a good thing. You know, it's the kind of thing that trips you up and I wasn't necessarily aware of this the first time round. So yeah. Thought I'd leave it in. <laughs> I I think that's actually the gold in good training. Yeah, true. And good content where it's not this highly polished production. Yeah. Um, everybody, you'll understand that from my podcast because I don't polish any of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I leave the stumbles and the ums and the ahs and things like that. But it, yeah. it has a real world reality to it. Yep. And um, I thought what was a really cool takeaway from that is how approachable Redshift are to answer questions and work through troubleshooting, helping you get to the solutions as yeah. well. Yeah, oh, honestly, I'm actually, to be honest, to, to their credit, Adrian actually is the main sort of um, one of the dev guys there. He actually sent me a 10 minute tutorial showing exactly like kind of all the process of what why it wasn't working and things like that. And I've seen him do this before, which is pretty amazing considering he's giving a one-to-one sort of tutorial to customers and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's amazing. They're really. good guys. <laughs> and if we're talking about renderers, we uh, have to talk about Octane 4, which has just been announced as well as yeah. of yesterday. Hot off the press. Hot off the press. I wasn't even aware Octane 4 was in the pipeline. I mean, I, I, I've seen it developing. I haven't really been using Octane too much the last um, couple of months, but yeah, that thing came out and I was like, wow, awesome. But, <laughs> a bit different from previous releases. Yeah. So it's, um, I, yeah, I mean, the, the gist, the main exciting thing, I suppose, is that They've, they've always had this other... Otoy has had these has Octane, which is its main renderer, but it also had this other one called Brigade, which was like a version for games. And I think kind of... I know a lot of people have said that they think maybe Octane... Sorry, Otoy has been focusing a bit more on that sort of side of things, like the game and the VR. But this has kind of been sort of bringing... I think this has been bringing basically this all back together. So the new Octane is using a lot of the new features from Brigade, which brings a lot of like interactivity speed and um, um, just being able to load huge amounts of geometry and things like that. So it's uh, certainly very interesting uh, development. Uh, I think it surprised a fair few people, and I was one of them. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so they announced it and they're releasing it at the same time in previous announcements um the release has been sometimes a lot later yeah always yeah and i think i think there's a lot it sounds like there's still a lot to do with it and obviously the plugins will come later um but i mean yeah it's and i mean also the, the v3 did take quite a long time and a lot of features took ages to come out if at all so i mean we'll see how it goes but i if if they can do what it's saying and do it in a timely manner i think it's going to be a very sort of interesting time for the gpu rendering it's good, certainly good to get more competition in this field and yeah. see the companies sort of pushing each other to kind of improve things definitely competition um breeds new innovations and and it feels like speeding up this process as well mm, yeah certainly i mean there's a there's a fair few things in octane that i always kind of annoyed me i suppose and just one of the things was like the, sometimes the huge time it takes to actually send the scene to the graphics card yeah uh, it looks like they've sped this up a lot like it's i saw a video david ario did and it was 
his scene's gone from like two minutes to six seconds. So, and there was like a lot of um, geo on there. Oh yeah, like, like I mean that's not a normal scene triangle. for sure. So it's, it's unfair. To, but I mean the point is, I guess yeah. the most everyday scenes are going to be like lightning super fast. fast now. Yeah. So a lot of that's um, because of the out of core geometry, and I didn't really understand um, what that really meant, but. Basically, it's external external memory algorithms, which is out-of-core algorithms. So basically, it's processing the data that's too large to fit into a computer's main memory, and it's storing that. So that's what out-of-core means. So something that I've learned this past 24 hours. Yeah. (laughs) But it kind of means that the scenes are loading at least 10 times faster We'll link to an interview that Jules Urbach, the CEO of Otoy, did with Brograph yesterday. When you're listening to this podcast, all this information is a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As of today, it was yesterday. But um, so he's saying up to 40 times faster in some examples. When you go out of core with your scene, basically, it's, it's, there's too much stuff and you can't fit it on the graphics card. And in the past, Octane would either crash and go black or... You know, things can generally slow down quite a bit. Um, Redshift's been built from the ground up to kind of be able to handle all this stuff out of court anyway. But yeah. Octane was a little bit more tricky with this stuff and you definitely get a lot of memory errors. Um, but it sounds like they've, the whole new thing has just been rewritten and it's, they've done a lot of work to kind of address this. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing as well, once you go out of core, things can start slowing down unless you're careful about sort of how it's all managed. So you obviously don't want to have your scenes going to a, like 5% of what their render would have been. Um, yeah. with that kind of thing so yeah so usually um, it would try and load it into the VRAM yep. of the GPU exactly but yeah. where it's too where the geometry is just too massive yeah then it has to store it yeah, yeah. and it's not every day that this sort of stuff happens you know most scenes aren't going to be going beyond 12 gigs of stuff but when you have crazy scenes like David <laughs> Ario's stuff and things like that then I guess yeah it does it does have issues yeah yeah shout out to Dave um, yeah. David had a birthday in uh, March so happy birthday happy birthday Dave (laughs) (laughs) Um, I see that he's updated his um, profile picture he's um, it's like basically him as Jesus awesome (laughs) with the the Otoy logo it's pretty classic (laughs) Um, big love for the Brograph and for uh, David Ariev so what was also really interesting is and I love this. Actually seeing products that are bringing artificial intelligence into the products. It doesn't feel like they're actually talking about the future. Yeah. This stuff is actually coming into product lines now. So um, they're talking about AI lighting, AI scenes, and AI denoiser, which, yep. which are all different. But apparently the AI light and the AI denoiser working together is just going to make the cleaning up and the speed of getting to... Um, images that aren't noisy really fast too. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know like a whole deal about how it all works. I mean, I've not really, I've not really tried any of the noiser stuff that's coming come out yet. And the Redshift's got one as well. It's on a sort of a, a temp beta um, update path, which I haven't tried yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it certainly seems to be like the new thing is rather than spending all this render power trying to just continually try and sample this scene, but try and be a bit more clever in how you can clean this stuff up. So it's got um yeah it's got a denoiser I think that uh, it can deal with different things like reflections refractions and things like that and this new AI lights thing seems to be the most interesting because I'm not sure if it's like 
kind of a mix of Russian roulette and important sampling or these kind of methods that are good for you know dealing with lots of little small lights but um, that's been always been the the thing that I hated in Octane was you have a scene with little lights or little point lights and it just it never clears up it's always noisy and just those little highlights are just horrible so I'm very keen to try and see like how it's sort of improved with some of these shots so yeah, yeah, it'll be really, really cool to um, when the plugin for Cinema 4D is available. Yeah, for sure. Jump into that. So the reason why point lights especially are tricky is because it's an unbiased pass tracing renderer. So Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know the whole details behind it, but it's, I think it's because it's trying... It's often like bright light sources being sampled in a very small area of the scene and so some rays hit them some rays don't Um, and if you've got like big values like you're getting a lot of variation in what's being sampled on the surface so it's very hard to kind of get a a uniform result yeah the alternative is like a big big light source in octane is really easy to clean up because it's getting so much information from this from like a wider area Um, but yeah i mean the whole denoiser thing is kind of like an adaptive learning algorithm so i think they what they do is they kind of they give it data to sort of learn from and so it's an evolving process so over time it gets better and can deal with it yeah. more so it's very interesting but uh yeah very geeky as well <laughs> <laughs> i love it <laughs> yeah. yeah okay we'll, we'll pull it out of um the depths of geekdom there's quite a few videos available there's the brograph interview but there's also uh, the release video from otoy about this latest release so we'll have links to those and thank you so much matt lloyd for doing all the show notes again and all the links every week it's amazing to have that support bro <laughs> i need to uh, take you out for lunch sometime soon man moving on before we go on to another topic just octane it's a free upgrade from three to four which is quite cool mm-hmm. so it's not going to cost you anything if you've already got octane three but also otoy have a subscription plan and the subscription you can now have up to 20 gpus all the plugins and have it on two nodes for $20 a month, which seems pretty reasonable. Yep, absolutely. Especially if you're in a situation where you might need to scale up one month for a job and then you know yeah. not need as much for another. Um, and also the other one that's interesting is the new free. Um, yeah, free. So two, two GPUs. Two yeah. GPUs. Um, I think it's a very smart move. And um, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of their thinking that in the future the revenue is going to mainly come more from maybe the Octane Render Cloud kind of yep. subscription because... I know with a free version, I think you're limited to a certain bench score on the render cloud. So yeah. once you need the power, that's when you have to pay them more money. So yeah, it's, it's the gateway drug for it rendering. is. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, get them, get them in. Young. Get them hooked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Another interesting development there. Yeah. So um, for a long time, ORC, the Octane Render Cloud, has been in development for a long time, and that's going to actually be called Render. R N D R. So that kind of got me confused when hearing about people talk about render, rendering, render engines. So the render R N D R SDK is going to be available, and um, basically that's going to be used in replacing ORC, the live DB, and cloud services that are currently existing. And so there's going to be a big shift, really, of future stages of render being available for you to put your jobs through. Currently, a lot of people might be familiar with using render farms in the cloud. Yep. But this is going to be using Otoy's render cloud, 
which are going to consist of potentially graphics cards anywhere in the world, and they have rendered tokens. So it's a whole new system and ecosystem that they're developing with you having your graphics cards available to this network of GPUs. Like bit mining almost yeah. for, for renders, yeah. I, I mean, I've never, I've never actually used the Octane Render Cloud. Um, I think you, you tried it a little bit, didn't you? I um, did try it, yeah. But, and uh, um, you heard my swearing. All yeah. The way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's definitely something that's been needed for a long time. I think. Yeah. And so many people just get stuck up against deadlines and just end up having to buy whole new computers. Um, yeah, like I, I don't really know too much yeah. about the whole um, render side of it but i mean yeah it's kind of what's been building up for a long time i think so yeah it's all good yeah it's gonna be great to have that sort of support as well yeah brograph get into the real nitty-gritty of this um they do it so well so gonna direct listeners to go there to find that real ins and outs i don't want to say anything out of term my general understanding is that basically you can gain render tokens by allowing your GPUs to be used by others. But you can also then um, use your render tokens when you need them to get a job done and utilize all those render um, GPUs out in the network as well. So it works both ways. If your machine's not working, you can be earning some tokens. And then yep. when you need to like pump out a job, you can cash them in. Yep. I wonder yeah. how the, what the exchange rate's like for it and whether it changes. It's going to be like yeah. the new... They'll be on the freaking stock exchange before you know it. Rent tokens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this isn't, you know, this whole Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, all of this happening in the world. There's got to be so many new businesses that are going to develop out of this kind of model. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's also been super frustrating, obviously, with, um, I don't know if it's affected things quite as much over here, but with all the recent cryptocurrency updates the and the new... The of the GPUs. The GPUs yeah. have been going up. I, 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 bought a, I had to buy a second computer uh, maybe six months ago just for a smaller one, but I didn't notice too much difference. But I think certainly over in the States and the UK, it's been pretty extreme. Yeah, and Intel have been quite... Um, up front and that they're not supportive of the bit mining yeah yeah and i think that's where if you're buying a preset box yeah. an all-in-one configuration yeah the price is probably not going to be that much different but yeah, if you're sure. trying to buy <laughs> six gpus yeah <laughs> that yeah i think yeah it'll be interesting to see what the cost of that would be well i, I think even nvidia aren't very happy about it and there's um there was talk about them creating these new cards that are specifically for mining which are um they don't have an, a video output so they're, they're specifically just for processing stuff and they'll be maybe a little bit cheaper not as much um warranty on them but they, yeah. they'll be more for bit miners but i mean then again they're also really good for rendering i assume so if they're going to be cheaper and so maybe it'll go the other way and we'll all take those <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um i said nvidia before I, I said intel before but i meant nvidia i'm getting confused Blair. it's pretty <laughs> normally i like just talking about the pretty pictures <laughs> it's a pretty intense. pressure of podcasting <laughs> yeah i'm just a man oh well <laughs> let's leave the nerd speak <laughs> Uh, you've been working hard on some big projects and unfortunately you can't sort of talk about those on the no, show. It's annoying, the isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's always the case. Um, NDAs, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's been some fun stuff. I've been um, working with um, a fellow, Tom O'Neill, who's a director living over in LA. Um, got to do some fun stuff with him. He was um, he was the director on 
who created the title sequence for Narcos. Um, and he got in contact with me through a mutual friend. So I've been doing some fun stuff with that and a bit of Houdini as well. Um, and then also I've been working with another great studio called Yambo. They're actually located out of Tel Aviv, but they work with a lot of sort of remote um, artists around the globe. So uh, it's been, yeah, been good. Some interesting nice. projects. Just uh, be nice when I can actually get them out and sort of uh, show them off really. So Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm always stoked that you're busy. It it means that don't get to catch up as much, which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good that you're working on lots of different projects yeah. and yeah. It always goes in like waves, there's busy times and then it goes quiet for ages, so just it's just organizing it around that. So Yeah. Yeah. And the last time you were on the show we it was before Node. 2017 and i attended that and just like i thought you bloody knocked it out of the park mate that's <laughs> awesome thanks man i was i was terrified it was <laughs> it was uh it was a lot of preparation i've i i've i don't i have absolute respect for anyone that can present like that that talk even though it was only about um 30 minutes probably took me about two and a half three months to prepare just because i'm so terrible about trying to present stuff um normally i have to stop every 10 seconds to kind of think about what I'm talking about so there was a lot of developing stuff and then a lot of learning it and night before I barely slept at all but uh, it came out all right yeah I think it was uh, it was good so I I was very happy with the result but man it was a lot of work no but, it was awesome it was so good and it was so good to be able to just yeah it was great to be up there and just to be part of Node as well which yeah. is becoming such a great sort of resource for what we do over here in sort of Australia and New Zealand so yeah, we're really lucky to have it as a conference, which is why I'm always giving it shout-outs on yep, the show. Exactly. Looking yep. forward to next year. I noticed a few yeah. things starting to appear for the branding, maybe. Yeah, um, James and uh, Yes Captain have been releasing NodeFest graphics, and there's all this green paint over the old branding. Yeah, exactly. So a bit of a refresh, possibly, in, yeah. in the line. Yeah. Interesting. Looking forward to it anyway for this yeah. year. Yeah. I am too. I am too. It's a great opportunity to get together with people, and I think it's going to become um, a real annual catch-up for yep. the whole industry. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have some more people as well coming from further afield this time as well. Like Brett came over from the states, and yeah, yeah so it's good to see the support sort of, um, sort of rolling and getting more. Definitely, and we'll link to your presentation, which is um, available to view. And that was really useful for me on a personal note because I was getting into Redshift a bit more at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was cheeky enough to go, Rich, can I grab that file from you, bro? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was, it's so much easier to dig into someone else's material and kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was a lot more that I would love to have covered. Like I, I probably had about an hour and 10 minutes worth of stuff originally. And then I was like, when I started rehearsing, I was like, oh man completely over prepared this and had to cut a lot out so but um yeah it was it was good and i'm glad it sort of helped a lot of people um but it's all moving so quick it's probably going to be out of date in about <laughs> six months anyway so these fundamentals though they are really key for people who have no knowledge at all yeah becoming comfortable enough to dive into it yeah and you've done that with the black magic tutorials yeah but with uh, the NodeFest presentation it's really the same about redshift where somebody again who isn't used to a node editor going yep. oh that's not for me what you showcase is how easy it is and not to be fearful of it yeah exactly and um 
yeah, it's just a, it's just a slightly different way of thinking, but it's it does make a lot your life a lot more easy when you get the hang of it. Um, and it's also stuff like you know just general sort of shader design and things. Quite a useful topic that's never going to change whether you're using Cinema 4D's um, you know standard renderer or Octane or Redshift. Just knowing how your maps work together and things like that. Um, yeah. Often I see a lot of problem people confuse like what the maps do, and it's kind yeah. of once you know what they do and how they how, how tweaking them kind of adjusts the shader. It's a it's it's quite a sort of gives you a lot more power with what you're trying to do and what you're trying to sort of visualize. So. Yeah, it's these key concepts that are quite useful, I think, to get across. Across any discipline within video and film, it could be that you are editing and the fact that you know how to cut some footage, do cross-dissolves, scales, whatever, you can take that from one editor to another. And it's the same with rendering. It's get the fundamentals. And I, I do feel that these are these tools... I feel like I'm chopping and changing a lot more again between yep, them. Same here. It's uh, it's it's kind of frustrating because it's it's very hard to keep that knowledge in your head if you're going between one thing and then you're not using it again for a, yeah. maybe a month as you're on another project doing something else. Um, yeah, it's it's it can be tough and it's hard sort of staying on the ball with this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's also maybe choosing sort of the things that are most important to you and letting other ones that you maybe don't use so much sort of slip away a little bit so yeah yeah it's hard (laughs) yeah it is it's like that's why i haven't really been looking at nodal compositing for quite a while Mm. um i started out in shake and did a bit there and then when nuke came along i really enjoyed that but then it was the reality is that the pace of vfx that's a whole industry in itself yeah exactly it's it's more it's not so much it's not so much maybe useful for motion design unless you're doing a lot of like maybe green screening or rotoing yeah. but i mean it's i mean my background was vfx so i kind of started off with that and then got into after effects later on um but it kind of depends on the work you're doing i think yeah. so Having just enough knowledge to execute a really quick comp and then use your other tool, I feel like that's a good place for me and my team to implement using Fusion right now. Yeah, it's almost like a kind of like a round trip kind of thing. I mean, yeah. using bits for it can make things more complex, I suppose, if you're having to output file sequences. But if you're organised and the way you do it, um, I think you can use the best of both the tools just to kind of um, help your workflow with whatever yeah. it's going to need to be. So. Yeah, I was thinking of some shots that we were tracking recently and rotoing. After Effects track is not the greatest, so you end up using Mocha. Right, yeah. I've not used Mocha, but I've heard it's much better. John Dickinson always tells me about it. (laughs) (laughs) I had Martin on the show from Mocha and from Boris. Yeah, I've been using it in my workflow since it was part of the whole suite talking about 10 years ago yeah um it's really so much easier to get a solid track but you still feel like you're jumping out to another third party program yeah for sure unless you're using the plugin inside of after effects which costs a bit more yeah sure but but with um fusion you've got um really solid tracking and keying and compositing all in the one environment which is what's really nice about it yeah exactly i mean i did a lot of i did a lot of roto and clean up stuff when i early in my career and i saw it kind of doing that kind of process it was much easier in sort of like the the trackers and stuff for this kind of thing so yeah um yeah that's kind of where that came from but uh, i agree yeah i think it's almost like you, you use it for certain parts of your of your 
project that makes sense like maybe you just want to clean out a plate and then you take that and then you do more work on top of that yeah and uh yeah yeah totally well everybody click the link watch the tutorials there's a heap of great knowledge in there and we'll have links to to um download the software which is free so you've got no excuse to give it a try yourself and now it's time for the pro video packs so rich it's the time of show where we go to the pro video packs Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite part of the show and i know a lot of people's out there listening as well so rich what would be your pro video pick for this week my pro video pick this week's actually going to be sort of teaching based um i've been spending a fair bit of time recently learning some houdini as if there wasn't enough programs i've already got on the cards <laughs> so um yeah i've been a big fan of um this guy matt estrella's cg wiki um it's a uh, basically a lot of very clearly explained tips and Um, examples for Houdini they all kind of follow along logically so it becomes more of like a learning path Um, and Matt's got some great humor as well so it kind of makes it far less dry than it should be Uh, it's free and it's all sort of written rather than video based but it's something you can just dig into and you know have a play when you've got some time and just build up from there Um, and he's also just finished a brand new um, 20-day course on learning VEX programming so I don't know how many people are interested in Houdini on this podcast and the programming side but uh, that's awesome as well so I've been really getting into that so that would be my recommendation for that one awesome Houdini it really feels like it's become the product of the last few years of doing some intense simulations and dynamics and yeah lots of rubbery people falling all over yeah them. it's true a lot of people yeah <laughs> but it's, it's also very cool though because it's got a lot of like everyday tools that don't take very much work but they very sort of adaptable to workflow it's almost like a like a lego kit for building effects and there's some yeah. things you can do very easily that would be a lot harder in say cinema 4d without a plug-in um it does take a bit of time to get into but once you start understanding the nodes it's actually a lot maybe simpler than a lot of people think it's just the sort of that initial getting into the way of thinking about it so so there's a real big learning curve and once you're over that initial hump maybe yeah i suppose it's more sort of understanding that like everything in houdini is kind of based around points really and rather than say in cinema 40 you've got curves and polygons and different things like that everything can be treated the same way so you can kind of apply all these different tools to the same bits of data and you can sort of link things in interesting ways so like you can colorize curves in the way that you can't really do in cinema 4d um things like that so it's a really interesting thing once you get into it um i'm really enjoying it but it's a very long process for me (laughs) maybe i think yeah just picking it up in between projects is hard if i was diving in solidly then it's it would be a bit easier i think but yeah yeah it's it's definitely been on my list but mm. i have a long list yeah exactly <laughs> problem. and it's not an easy one to pick up so no it's it's going to be a bit of a commitment otherwise yeah it, it does feel like that thing that you need to do for like six months yeah otherwise it's, it's easy, a waste of time and it's very easy to forget as well it's it's similar to me for like learning zbrush it's like maybe my fourth or fifth attempt of trying to learn it. it's <laughs> starting to make sense now so yeah yeah, yeah. it's um I want to dive back into Unity again. Oh, yeah. VR. And interesting um, with Octane, there's um, with um, Brigade. Yeah. And integration into Unity and Unreal and things like that as well. Yeah, interesting. I've not, I've not touched Unity at all. I know a friend who's really into it. And um, yeah, I'd be keen to see some stuff if, yeah, if you ever get anything going. Yeah, well. To do a demo. Show us what's going on. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
Okay, um, inspirational video, bro. What would that be? Um, so this is actually an older video. Um, it's called Solipsist. Um, it's from about six years ago, but I've only just found it recently. Um, it's a very mesmerizing piece. Um, it's kind of like these... Um, it's, it's a live-action shot. It's a bunch of dancers. It kind of evolves, and um, they sort of slowly get covered and enveloped by all this material and ropes and things like that. It's a very sort of interesting piece i think the music's great color and the shot design too um it kind of feels very current and i think today it would be something that would maybe be done as a really intense sort of cg thing but uh it's kind of really interesting to me that it's just all this was done just as like a a shoot some compositing green screen you almost forget a little bit sometimes that that stuff is like a an art you know it's very valid and gets lost amongst the sort of cg stuff i think these days yeah, yes. Um I'm a big fan of uh, getting in camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've never been I've never been too good at that sort of style. I'd like to be more into it, but it's another thing to learn as well. But um yeah, I I really like this piece. It's about 10 minutes long, so it's worth a little watch if you're interested. Awesome. Awesome. So, inspiration. Where do you get some inspiration from? Can be anything. Yes. I mean, mostly at the moment i think it's sort of like photo blogs tumblers and tumblr and things like that um architectural blogs and things too um, i think as i've been doing more and more sort of 3d lighting and kind of stuff like that i've been getting more interested in sort of like real world lighting design and photography um yeah so uh, i mean for a few examples things like otako gangster it's quite a famous tumblr um i know carrie mentioned it uh, in his, one of his tutorials um Kerry smith that you spoke to a few weeks ago um, there's another one called Sync Zero Zero Tumblr. They're all sort of very sort of um, sci-fi and tech-based and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's right up my street. Um, then also another one called Contemporist, which I quite like. It's more of a architecture kind of um, design kind of thing in general. But yeah, it's mostly I think images at the moment. Probably a little bit more than animation these days. But yeah. it's yeah, it's, it's sort of a mix really. Awesome, awesome one. Following, who are you following, mate? Um, so, a recent one I started, I picked up was um, a guy called Liam Wong, who's an uh, interesting guy. He's an art director. He's recently picked up photography, um, and he's probably most famous for doing uh, a recent series called Tokyo Nights. Um, but it's they're these amazing shots. Basically, There's, it's a lot of shot in Tokyo and great composition, uh, great colours as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Japan, um, but I think his like like photography the way he sort of portrays it and the, the vibrant use of colour just kind of really, um, you know, represents it in a very sort of vibrant feel. Uh, it's very sort of cyberpunk, uh, cyberpunk and Blade Runner style. But um, cool. yeah, I'm really interested in that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one as well. Um, I've actually been following him for a long time, but Anthony Scott Burns is a, a favourite of mine. Um, I s- originally found him, I think he was doing a presentation for Maxon at NAB maybe. But he's a very talented director, also 3D artist. And museum um, and a musician as well. He's known by Pilot Priest, but it's always interesting to see his work. Um, he does a lot of work with Anth, um, Ash Thorpe as well. Right. Um, and I would say he's also one of my favourite motion pieces was a piece he did for Tendril called New York Style Frames. No, Style Frames NYC, I think. So we should put that one in as well because that's a really cool piece as well. It is a really cool piece, that one. Mm. Yeah, we'll have that link. Yeah, so... That's awesome. kind of my latest ones, I suppose. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, when you're back on later, we'll, I want some more. Yeah. <laughs> I went thinking. <laughs> you are now a regular on the show. So yeah. 
Yeah, thank you so much again for coming in, man. It's awesome to have oh, you. Pleasure, in. man. Always good to to have a chat. So yeah, where can people find you online? Um, so my main website is richnosworthy.tv, um, and then also probably the other best place is just going to be Twitter, um, just twitter.com slash richnosworthy. Cool. Uh, Instagram as well, same thing, richnosworthy. So yeah, I try those really. You've got that name locked up all over the internet. Exactly, yeah. I think there's nice. one other guy somewhere that's got the same one. and Yeah, yeah. but me and him battling it out. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm up against some high-profile lawyer and some author in the Shit, States. man. Got no so, chances. Uh, Can't gotta, fight that. <laughs> <laughs> got to try and get my SEO. <laughs> <laughs> um, on your site, I'm really enjoying the um, experiments and side projects. There's some yeah. cool stuff in there. It's been a while, actually, to be honest. Um, I, it was something I was very very into more when I was before I was freelance and had a lot more time to sort of play around with ideas um, but I do try and keep it up from time to time especially between projects and it's a very valuable way to um, you know develop new skills yeah. and you know get get your hands on these sort of tools and stuff so yeah I, I wish I had more time but sort of Gotta pay becoming the bills. more limited exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's um it was interesting seeing on your Instagram uh the Chrome bike and then actually seeing the tutorial and going, Oh, this is where it's all linking together. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Well that yeah, that was something <laughs> I made a while back in Moe and then I needed something for an example, which obviously is another great thing for having these um little side projects is you can just quickly say, Oh, this is I can use this. Yeah. I've got no NDAs I've got to worry about, so yeah. Nice. All right, well, you can follow me at Blair Walker on Twitter, and you can follow the podcast, Pro Video Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and join the Slack group. Always asking, but you're in the Slack group, eh, Rich? Yep, absolutely. Yep, yep. good place to come and chat, share some work. Definitely, yeah. Add some songs to the Pro Video Spotify playlist. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting good now. There's a good mix in there. How many songs is it up to you now? I don't know, like 45 or something. Yeah, nice. there's like... Almost four hours of music in there. Every Monday morning. Gets yep. Yep. Monday. It's kind of like, um, yeah, it gives me something different to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> something to get up for. Yeah. <laughs> my, my selfish playlist, but no, it's an awesome, <laughs> awesome group. So yeah, jump in there and uh, hit me and Rich up and there's heaps of other people there as well. So it's open to everyone. Just jump in and share and chat. It's a good place to be. So thank you again, Rich, for coming in. It's always awesome to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Blair. It's a pleasure. Everybody else, have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.